Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to a very special interview podcast timed, I hope, to coincide exactly, or almost exactly, with the launch of Moon Knight on Disney+. Plus. As you probably already know, if you're listening to this, Moon Knight is the latest Marvel Cinematic Universe series to hit Disney+, Plus. but unlike its live-action predecessors, WandaVision, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki and Hawkeye, this doesn't expand the story of a beloved character or characters, but rather introduces us to a brand new hero in the shape of the eponymous Moon Knight, an unstoppable vessel of vengeance that is the perfect blend between hard-bitten American mercenary Mark Spector, played by Oscar Isaac, and the entity that has, for want of a better word, possessed him, the cold-blooded Egyptian god of the moon, Khonshu, voiced by F. Murray Abraham. There's just one small problem. Mark has DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder, and he shares his body with Stephen Grant, a timid and well-meaning British Museum gift shop worker who is A, also played by Oscar Isaac, and B, in way over his head as things start getting very, very freaky indeed. It's a lesser known character in the grand scheme of things, but that has allowed the show's creator and head writer, Jeremy Slater, and directors Mohamed Diab and Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead to take some pretty big creative swings. As you may have seen, because if you listen to this, then the chances are that you've seen the first episode of Moonlight, which is now live on Disney+, and you will have been introduced to things like Stephen's strange, dislocated world, the way he loses time and enters a fugue state, and the beginnings of relationships with three mysterious characters, Arthur Harrow, the sellet with glass in his shoes, played by Ethan Hawke, Layla, a woman with ties to Mark Spector, played by Mae Kalamaui, which, as you'll soon hear, is the correct pronunciation of her surname, and, of course... Mark Spector himself. And in this special episode, you're going to hear two interviews I recorded with Moon Knight peeps recently. These aren't spoiler special interviews, by the way, but we do talk about things that take place in the first episode, and we gently tease things that may happen in future episodes. I've had the good fortune to see the first four episodes of the six. So we decided to present both the interviews to you after episode one went up, so you're not completely in the dark about what's going on. The first interview you're going to hear is with the three stars of the show, Oscar Isaac, Ethan Hawke and Mae Kalamaui, who came into our central London studio a couple of weeks ago after the triumphant debut of Moon Knight at the British Museum just the night before. couple of quick things. <laughs> Long story short, too late. This was recorded the night after a full moon, which might explain why everyone was in such rambunctious mood. My microphone wasn't working as well as their microphones, but you should be okay. And yes, for regular listeners of the Empire Podcast, I couldn't in all good conscience be the guy who does Stephen Grant impressions every week for the past two months in the podcast and then not bring up the accent, which is excellent, by the way, with Oscar Isaac himself. Does that mean I end up doing an impression of Oscar Isaac to Oscar Isaac's face? What do you think? Anyway, here you go. Oscar, Ethan and May. Do please enjoy. We are delighted to be joined on the Empire Podcast by the stars of Moonlight, Oscar Isaac, Ethan Hawke, and Mae Kalamaway. Did I get your surname right? Close. Kalamaui. Kalamaui. That's what I said, and I Kalamaui. saw an interview with You're you, good. and someone introduced Kalamaui. you as Mae Kalamaway, and I was like, that must be the way you pronounce your name. It's okay. And now I got it wrong. I'm here to correct you. Oh, I am so sorry. It's we got there. We got there. We got yeah. there. We got there. It's okay. Did I get Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke right? I mean, close enough. Close yeah. enough. Yeah. Okay. I, w- I wasn't thrown by it, but it was, you know. It's, it's was... actually Hawkeye, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's Hawkeye. <laughs> okay, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always getting things wrong. Hawkeye. Uh, how are you guys doing? Because last night was your big gala launch event, which was weirdly timed to coincide with the full moon so that was amazing it yeah. was cool yeah was that like full moon in front of the national museum <laughs> moon night at full power we started howling <laughs> it got strange fast yeah. has it uh, stopped being strange since or is it still well you tell me now? I mean uh, you're you're our guide is it going to get weird in here or is it going to be alright it could get very very weird over the next 20 minutes or so. Okay. I mean not to pull back the curtain too much but off mic you know, before we started pressing records there were there were a few Australian accents being bandied around and I have to say they were pretty damn good so wow. is that what you guys do to, to relax on the set of Moonlight yes. just what? draw it's, up the that's yeah. right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you it's too easy too easy <laughs> no. um 
We do whatever to pass the time. We can make it happen. Absolutely, because the show is bonkers. I've had the 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 privilege of watching the first four episodes, and then of course the straitjacket of not being able to talk about what happens mm-hmm. in those first four episodes. But this show is bonkers in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. So, when you had your first conversations about it, how much were you told? How much of the bonkersness did you know, Oscar? Let's let's start with you. I uh, I was given the first episode and the fifth episode, uh, and those are the ones that kind of gotten the most. Um, I, I guess that they felt Kevin felt the most confident about. Mm-hmm. Um, he thought by showing me those, I wouldn't run away. <laughs> uh, and uh, well, the scripts, sort of, yeah. <laughs> the scripts, yeah, yeah, the scripts, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what, what Jeremy Slater and the writers did? Uh, they they cracked the structure of the story because um, uh, you know Moon Knight goes back to 1975, I believe, and he's changed so much. He's probably the most mutable character out of all of them in MCU, really, because it's just, uh, depending on what the writer's interested in, yeah. kind of come in and focus on that, and his powers would change, his backstory would change, his look would change um, quite drastically as uh, as the years went on. So that, I think that gave us a lot of freedom. And um, and so in, anyway, finding the the structure of it, you know, starting with Stephen Grant, making him this guy that works at a museum, um, uh, and and that he doesn't know who he is. He's not like the Playboy millionaire kind of Bruce Wayne clone that he w- has been in in a lot of the comics. Um, that was a great starting point. But then it was about okay, well, what what is what are the themes of this thing? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how how it, it, if it's about this guy having dissociative identity disorder. How how can we orient the whole thing so that it's an it's an external expression of an internal struggle and make it very point of view? Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the things that got me excited. And then also just getting a hit on who Stephen Grant is. Yeah. Um, because you know it wasn't written that way. Uh, it was kind of randomly set in the UK. And I asked why is it set in London, and they're like, well, we've got too many. Too many heroes in New York. Yeah, so we got We decided to so put it somewhere. So we're a New Yorker in London. That'll yeah, he's an expat in London. Whatever, okay. we'll make it work. Uh, and I, ironically, I think originally they were going to shoot here, but then they realized how much cheaper it is to shoot in Budapest. So then it made even less sense, you know. Um, but I, there was an opportunity to like create um, this kind of indelible, interesting character there. Yeah, and I, I want to talk about, about Stephen slash Stevie slash Scotty, and you know, and the way that he's he's very much the, the center of the show. But but I also want to ask Ethan and May: At what point did you know about the bonkersness of the show? Well, what episodes did Kevin or Jeremy show you whenever you first came on board? Well, the bonkersness of it, which is a fantastic word, and I I would love for it to say Moon Knight bonkers. <laughs> um, it, it developed and got more interesting. It was an aspect of the show that I think as Oscar really pushed the show to take mental illness seriously and to take his character's situation seriously. And that gave the show a point of view because if you have an unreliable narrator, a guy who doesn't, who's having major time lapses, he's not, he's having blackouts, he's not sure who he is, he's not sure of his reality, that the next step is, well, what if the whole show went that direction? If we see that show, if we see the show experience it through his point of view, it gives us a lot of playfulness. And that playfulness is just something we that turned us all on and we just wrote it and wrote it and wrote it. And uh, so as the show developed, it got more bonkers, to put it simply. <laughs> when you when you were first uh, brought on board or when they first talked about this, did the, was the opening scene always in place? Because the opening scene features your character, Arthur Harrow, in a very interesting situation. Well, I grew up reading comic books, and there was this, I always, when I would flip them open, I always loved, what did they decide to do a full-page drawing of? Yeah. And I, I, was, I was asking the writers and the directors and everybody, like, so if you were doing a f- full-page, if this is actually a comic book, and there was a full-page drawing of my character because often they would do that with the villain is give them like one full page introductory mysterious drawing I was like what would it be mm. I want to know what the drawing of my character would be and they were like I don't know what would it be and I started just having this vision of him a lot of spiritual people are secretly self-loathing you know these you know St. Francis with his hair shirts or uh, and I started imagining that this guy walked around with glass in his shoes all the time and uh, and they liked that, and we ran with it. So I yeah. love it, I, and you, the fact you can hear it every time you walk. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's like spurs. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's somebody self cutting every step. 
It's absolutely wild. And uh, and May, did you have a, a bit more freedom with Layla, in a way? Um, so when I first found out about this, I just got a description that was like, Egyptian woman. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> you can stop the search. Yeah, it's like Marvel with Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke. I was like, fine, like, sure. And it's bonkers. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. didn't know anything. A month later, they're like, so this is who you are. And I was like, oh. And it just got cooler and weirder. And then once we started working on it, we, we'd have these rehearsals and I'd be like, wait, what? Because I feel like you guys sort of had seen the scripts sooner than I did, right? Um, so I was just kind of like an audience member and I was really excited to be part of it. And Layla is... I really discovered her as we went along. Like, I I mean, the first couple episodes, I was still like, I don't know who she is. Um, mm. I don't want to give any spoilers, but given the, the circumstances of her life, I don't know anyone who's... To, to like model that by who's Egyptian, who um, has experienced what she's experienced. And I kind of... Living with this. a superhero who's insane. You know, <laughs> yeah. you, you don't know, you don't have friends like that. I mean, Not I, many. of my seven friends that have gone no. through that, four of them enjoy you guys it. Do, three are, they do, you know, I don't. And like a fighter and like all of it. I'm just like, I don't know what I can say right now. Yeah. Um, Everything? I think so. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. 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 How does Don't it freak out and say that if you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, a, a, a woman who can't go back to where she's from, who who's like a street fighter in a way, and um, a wife to someone who's going through a lot. Anyway, I it was really important for me to think about what that was like through the lens of an Arab woman and not just think about it from someone from the West because... It's really different and the conditioning we've had growing up creates a different chemistry and it meant a lot to me to bring that to Layla. And I had so much freedom with it and I'm lucky that they were always like open to hearing about how my take on it. No one was really imposing anything. So thanks guys. (laughs) You're welcome. <laughs> and what sort of conversations did you have? Because, you know, Mohammed Diab is the, the lead director on the show as well. Obviously, Stephen slash Mark slash Scotty slash whoever else is inside there. Uh, and and Arthur Harrow aren't Egyptian, but the show it draws a lot on Egyptian culture. And uh, representation was important, I, I sense, to, to Marvel. And what sort of conversations did you have and did the team have, in fact, about that? It's a huge sense of pride for me just to play an Egyptian woman and I hope that people see it. Number one, just being a woman like on a Marvel project is is really empowering. And then being an Arab, I, I want it to be more that she's Arab, not just like Egyptian. And mm-hmm. to represent people from the Middle East is huge. I didn't have this growing up to see someone and to think that I can be and we can be part of a project that's really expansive for people from there means a lot because I, I felt a sense of pride I don't I didn't really like go into mythology like Egyptian mythology before this and so I was like damn Egypt's really cool <laughs> you know <laughs> and I hope that people from the Middle East kind of remember that as well and around the world so Ahmed was really specific about being authentic and it was really great to be part of that because you don't see that often in um and I don't blame anyone, but you, you do need an Arab if you want something truly authentic. So, yeah, happy Mohammed was part of it. Amazing. And did you guys immerse yourselves also in Egyptian culture and mythology? Because, you know, there's so many incredible stories there. Well, I, I would love to do more of it. We, we had a leader in Mohammed to kind of be our guide through it and to teach us. And his... Egyptian films, for people that don't know them, are just incredible. And guys really, really gifted. And so he came at this not as, uh, you know, quote-unquote Marvel director, but he came at it as a filmmaker. And he and Oscar got along like a house on fire and, and had an idea about how to, wouldn't it be amazing if we put a character study in the middle of a Marvel movie? And And he also, when we had Egyptian actors, his love of other Egyptian actors, his casting, I mean, he... he he knows a lot of wonderful people and could bring them in to help fill out the world for us. And to create Cairo, 
you know, yeah. in on a back lot in Budapest <laughs> yeah. to make it feel not easy to incredibly do. authentic and to stay away from the more stereotypical elements and to really yeah. dive into the things that make it feel lived in and feel real. Um, and also the the process of of um, uh, of exploring these characters, you know, uh, particularly Layla's character, because she was so different in the original incarnation. I mean, she f felt a lot more like a Western character, and to make her, you know, Ma it was Muhammad and, and his wife Sarah, who's his writing writing partner as well and creative partner. Um, you know, making her actually let's let's deepen the connection. What if they were married? What how how complicated is that? And by doing that. There is, uh, without being overt, there's these subtle political implications. I mean, I'm, I am a Jewish character. <laughs> you know, he's a Jew from Chicago, Mark Spector, mm. and um, and Stephen Grant. You know, a lot of the that the, the voice and all that was modeled off of you know uh, that kind of Northeast London where the, a lot of the Jewish population mm -hmm. is, and so th that was a really important thing. And so playing with these really complicated ideas. Um, and and to to Kevin Feige's credit, like allowing us to push those boundaries and 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 get into some kind of complicated stuff. And Muhammad's so sensitive. He yeah. did it with grace and intelligence and wit and love. And so it was. Uh, it felt dangerous and safe at the same time. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad that you you mentioned uh, Stephen and his origins there because you, and I'm moving away from the stereotypes. Because one of the things I, I love about the character is not that not just that he's the unexpected heart of the show. He's not just a character you get past quickly to get to Mark Spector. Right. He is this this really sweet guy who the his the audience's eyes and ears and yeah. and we grow with him throughout the episodes. I don't think that's too much of a spoiler, but uh, it's not. It's the heart of the show, yeah. and it's what's so surprising about it. Yeah, absolutely. And and also the accent choice mm. is is really unexpected because mm. it would have been so easy uh, to do a kind of cut, you know, cookie cutter, cut glass British accent. Mm. And you don't, you went for something very, very specific. Yeah, well, he wasn't written as English. You yeah. know, he, he was written as a uh, expat. And I kind of thought, all right, well, if I want to, if I'm going to do this, what kind of character would I want to see in <laughs> The Avengers? And I just thought it'd be really funny. You know, like, or like, what it w if if Peter Sellers was asked to be in a Marvel movie, what would he do? <laughs> and, uh, and then, and how, how do you subvert it? Right, because like I have like a natural subversive kind of energy with some of this stuff, so it's like, how can you put it on its head, and how can, and that's where a lot of the humor comes from, because he does exactly the opposite of what a normal yeah. Marvel hero would do, right? yeah. uh, and so finding that, and and then um, yeah, making him a, making him feel like he believes he has a very specific life. Uh, in a very specific place, and the fact that it was they, they they decided to set it in in London, I was like, well, we should make one of the characters like super English, you know? Yeah. And um and so I you know I listened to a lot of different people. I I, I thought of Carl Pilkington, just his vibe, you know, um just like an idiot abroad, like this idea of like <laughs> this isn't you know Stephen's a bit of an idiot abroad. Yeah. Uh, and and then also, um you know Russell Kane is another guy who you know that, that comic who. Uh, his biography actually ma matches uh, in some ways quite a bit. Wow, is he also possessed by the Egyptian moon god Khonshu? He is. That, yeah. He is actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't know how it turns out. Turns out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Turns out. It's kind of amazing that. So, so weird. Um, but yeah, he was so, a consultant. And, yeah. <laughs> but just you know, just found found those things that just made it really fun to to want to live inside this this guy. Amazing, because there's, a, there's, as I say, a specificity to to the accent. You know, even things like the way you say your R's, it's not it's not dreams, it's dreams almost, mm -hmm. which which I love. But when the trailer came out, you did a trailer commentary, which must be the weirdest concept that you yeah, guys yeah, have yeah, ever yeah, done. Yeah. Uh, and even there, you went, "Oh, please, sir, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, can I have some more?" So, did you were you aware that people might scrutinize the accent? Yeah, and, of course, especially in a trailer where you yeah. just have one line, so you can yeah, kind of yeah. isolate it and be like, "That sucks. That's good. That's not you know." And and <laughs> that's just the nature of uh, of the of the <laughs> social media world. Yeah, and it was, yeah, it was surprising to people when you see the poster and you see you on it, you think you're going to do this whole tough guy thing, and you come on doing something so surprising. Yeah, with this like very timid kind of yeah voice. So so yeah, I mean that's just the nature of it. But uh, so I was kind of yeah taking the piss not only of myself but out of everyone freaking out about how bad it is you know <laughs> I must say uh, listeners to the Empire podcast would be shouting at the uh, listening to fight of choice now if I didn't say this full confession uh, I love the accent I have been doing impressions of it relentlessly on the podcast uh, <laughs> like what let's hear it uh, okay okay uh, 
So you're someone who can tell the difference between his waking life and dreams. Mm, that's good. <laughs> that's that really that's good. Okay? Yeah, like okay. kind of like emotionless, like dead-eyed. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. I'm Russell Kane. <laughs> is, that, is that okay? That's right. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just saying, you know, Oscar, if, if you're not available going forward for yeah. ADR. For then, ADR, actually, yeah. that could really yeah, be really helpful. I don't think helpful. it would work yeah. <laughs> physically if I, I took mean, over. There's but. a lot of technological advancements uh, <laughs> that we've gotten to, but yeah, that's really strong. That is that is strong. It's a, it's yeah. a strong thing. Uh, I'll, I'll give you my uh, details in the way out. In, uh, in the multiverse version, <laughs> exactly. you, you can be the dude. <laughs> you can be Scott. All right. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but but I love that it's such a big swing. And I wanted to ask you guys about big swings as actors. What's the biggest swing you've ever taken? And did it pay off? And for you, did it pay off? Without a doubt, this is the biggest swing this is I've it. taken. For sure. For sure. To like do a, a Marvel show and be like the lead character in it. To and, be the two lead characters. Yeah. In it. And yeah. to like take a massive swing with the characterization and, uh, yeah, it's like really putting yourself out there. You know, it's a, it's a big target. And so for, for, for me, that this has definitely been the biggest. Amazing. Um, I don't know about other people. I mean, I actually do know about other people a little bit. I think we all love to watch somebody take a dare. I mean, I think what I loved coming to set to watch you take a swing like that. You know, he's working on both the voices in the hair and makeup trailer every morning, trying to make it specific, trying to figure mm. out how this one stands, how this one stands. Because it's one thing to play two different characters as an actor but you're he, he often had to do it in the same costume you know normally yeah. it, like, you can change your costume at least or you do this you can and it so it all became a real challenge how to do that internally um and it was beautiful to watch and it is a huge swing and i love whenever somebody takes a dare one of the things i often complain about in contemporary movies is everybody's trying so hard to sell something or make sure it's going to like this contingent of people and we're not going to get as many likes as possible on our thing, <laughs> you, you, you know, and it makes everybody kind of make just a really simple hamburger or hot dog. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, you know, it, it's just a little boring and I love to watch somebody take a dare. And I think we respond, and even if it doesn't work, it's mm. it's still the more interesting route to go. Um, and may well be yourself. Have you taken, what's the biggest swing you've taken as an actor? This. I mean, I've done millions of things. <laughs> no, I mean, the, I'm the, so the, experienced. I'm like, I'm like way experienced. <laughs> more than, so... more than these guys, definitely. <laughs> no, I, I, the other show I'm on, Rami. Yeah. I, Rami's often like, can you tone it down a bit, May? And then I feel like I brought that into here. And everyone's like, it looks like you're doing nothing. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, okay. This, the stakes are just much higher. And I had to really adjust to that and commit. And I had... Um, the best scene partners to learn from. Like, I actually would like watch Oscar and be like, "Oh, okay, that's how that's how you do this." <laughs> oh, um, <Jesus. laughs> uh oh, <laughs> don't learn from yeah, Oscar. Actually, it might, it might I led you guys down. It might be terrible. <laughs> You're like, oh, we can do that. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I from from both these guys, I, I think what I really learned was like, I, I came into it really um, intimidated and. It's weird. I it wasn't like imposter syndrome. I just I was like, am I can I am I can I am I ready? Like I don't know. Um, but they really empowered me along the way and taught me. I, this sounds really cheesy, but I was thinking about it. Really freedom, and I don't mean it like <laughs> in like a. I mean it as in like to like letting go because yeah, they yeah. really let go, and um, that's really a gift. For me, especially in how I was raised um, to experience that. And um, like now I'm just excited to work more to be able to take that into it. And it's thanks to these guys. When I think back on it now, like I, was, mm. I like that dare question. Is like when I think back on when... Richard Linklater first asked me to make a movie for 12 years. <laughs> that felt like a day. You know, it's like, I want to make a movie over the next 12 years. Like, <laughs> okay. Um, but, uh, and that was a big swing, you know? Yeah. That, and, uh, but, May, you were so wonderful. And what you also don't understand when you talk about it is the Marvel Universe is one that has been oriented and sold to young men. You know, that's where it's been. And it's, so it's very hard as a woman to come into that universe and try to carve out space for yourself. 
and try to carve out space for your character. And you, you did it with your passion and enthusiasm and your openness and intelligence. So, you know. They were patient it, with me. No, we weren't. We, no, <laughs> no. Uh, no, no, we weren't at all. We needed you. Yeah, you know? and all it was of you. Because that, that is, like, it's obviously it's like to, to recognize, like, you stepping into this thing with with us old guys that have been doing it forever. They're and like really old. <laughs> and, and, really old yeah. and like <laughs> to like step up to it and like embrace it completely. I'm not that old. <laughs> it was incredible to watch. I'm just getting started. Thanks. <laughs> Wait till they get a load of me. <laughs> well, I think it's another full moon tonight and you can probably tell. Uh, it's it's, it's, it's infected us all here. Ethan, do you have glass in your shoes right now? Or do I have what? Glass in your shoes. Oh, uh, right well, I, I, it's a special kind of glass. It's extra sharp. Yeah. <laughs> That's been flattened out into the shape of a sock. Yeah. yeah okay, very good. good. Excellent. Well, in that case, I'm going to let you guys go. As, uh, as Stephen slash Scotty says... <laughs> Later's Gators. It's been a Later's pleasure. Yeah. Brilliant. Later's Thanks, Gators. guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That was Oscar Isaac, Ethan Hawke, and May Kalamawi. And I will never trust a YouTube video again when it comes to the pronunciation of surnames. Now, you're about to hear an interview I recorded with Mohamed Diab, the show's lead director. He is also the director, of course, of Egyptian movies, Cairo 678 and Clash. And we spoke about the ways that he and his producing partner and wife, Sarah Goher, forged a new path and new identity for this new addition to the MCU. Again, this isn't a spoiler special, but we do talk about some of the events that take place in the first episode, and we tiptoe cautiously around later eps as well. Do please enjoy. We're delighted to be joined in this very special Moon Knight preview interview by the director and executive producer of the show and Mr. Moon Knight himself, the one, the only, Mohamed Diab. How are you, sir? I'm Mr. Moon Knight. Mr. No Moon Knight. One. I'm going to say it. Why not? Wow. Wow. <laughs> such, a, such a burden on my shoulder. I love Moon Knight. I, I wish. <laughs> Were you always a, a Moon Knight fan? No, I knew nothing about him before getting the show. See, that's most people, I think, are in the same boat, generally speaking. And I think that's why I was good for the project. The idea of if I'm not a, a, a diehard fan who knew nothing about it, if I am convinced that we have a great story, newcomers are going to feel the same way. So um, I definitely was catering among everyone who was doing the show for the diehard fans. But in the same time, it was very important to draw new audiences. And... Um, to me, the best thing about knowing nothing about the story is I fell in love with it and I didn't have any burden of, uh, okay, I have to bring that from the comic or not, even though I read them all. But uh, for example, the villain, we got the name Arthur Harrow, yeah. but what the villain is, is something that we uh, uh, completely created with the Ethan Hawke. It's, uh, it's, it's a character that doesn't exist. I mean, what he believes in. It's really fascinating because um, there have been... <laughs> there's things we can't talk about obviously but they're, they're watching people pour over the trailer and dissect everything must have been an interesting experience for you over the, la the last few months because I've seen people go oh Ethan Hawke is playing Arthur Harrow this is clearly a decoy he must be playing this character from the comic books instead and having now seen the episodes he is playing Arthur Harrow so it must be quite interesting for you to be to be watching the way people are reacting to the show and 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 wrong-footing them with the show itself. Absolutely, and I can't wait to see this, see this week to week and see how people are reacting. It's something new to me. Usually I'm making a film that is very intimate. I'm the closest person to that story, but now you have fans who are actually, actually know more about the story than you. It's, it's, it's <laughs> such an interesting thing. And you feel like there is loyalty there and I have to satisfy them. I owe, I owe them something. But again, I have the feeling that everyone who worked on the show did their best to really make them happy. And I feel that the first reactions are really good and people are loving it, whether they knew about the comic book or not. There are some really interesting directions that you take the show. Um, and I think part of that stems from the fact that the the comic book isn't that well known, but it, it is based on a really great premise, which is you have a, a superhero who has multiple personalities and he doesn't entirely control which personalities are in charge of his body. That's a great premise. And one of the things I love about the show is how much it puts a very different version of Stephen Grant from the comic books. 
it takes a very different version and it puts them front and center. Was that was that always the plan when you when you came on board? I have to give it to Jeremy and Marvel, Jeremy okay. Slater, the creator of the show on Marvel, for this. Uh, Moon Knight has so many iterations. He's been born and reborn again so many times with different um, uh, ways of seeing him. And I think our uh, Jeremy decided that the be- his his best take uh, is uh, the Lumiere run, and there is like a, a lot of similarities with the Lumiere run when it comes to DID. But the take to start the show with Stephen as a normal person. And then discovered with him as the audience the idea that he doesn't he has another identity that is a superhero. I love that. That's a genius premise. And I I, I just all I did was trying to dig deeper, make it more dramatic, connect the characters more, and um, try to convince Marvel to give me as much room as possible to be crazier. <laughs> so how many show, how many episodes did you direct, Mohammed, of of the six? Well, I directed the pilot, the last mm-hmm. episode, and three and five. So, um, uh, and I'm I'm overseeing the other two episodes. I'm the EP. Mm-hmm. So, um, my pitch, me and Sarah, my wife, who is a producer in the show, and she, we uh, we both uh, were partners on the pitch. Uh, around 200 pages that covered everything you can imagine: the locations, the editing, the action, the how to develop the characters. Every single thing you can imagine became the bible of the show. And I shared it with uh, Justin and Aaron. Um, it's very important to have like the show feel the same. And I think a lot of people see the four episodes and feel, okay, this feels like one vision. So I think we did a great job uh, integrating um, one vision together. That's amazing. Because I was, I was going to say, because I, I knew about the, the 200 page pitch document. And I was going to ask how much of that made it into the show. How much of that informed the show? Pretty much all of, all of the it. The show. It's actually... What didn't make it into the show became even the end credits. This is how important that uh, that pitch was. Uh, uh, Kevin Feige was humming a song uh, it, that became that a, a song, an Arabic song that we pitched in the show in the in our pitch, and it became part of the show. And I have to give credit to Sarah for picking all the songs or the all those beautiful Arabic songs for the show. I, I'm so proud of that. That's amazing. I love that. Uh, because you mentioned episode five there, that you directed episode five. Now, I've been lucky enough to see up until episode four, uh, which we can't talk about. But what I will say is that episode four takes things in a very interesting direction. I think we can probably say that. Uh, yeah. And when I interviewed Oscar and Ethan and May the other day, Oscar said that when he came onto the show... Um, Kevin told him what happened in episode one and episode five. So is episode five like the big, really insane episode that people should look out for? The best thing about the show, and I'm not just saying that, that Mm -hmm. every turn and and every turn is crazy. But I want to tell you the way I'm handling it, one and two are a film, three and four are a film, five and six are a film. (laughs) Like they, they have something connected to them. I would tell you that the journey is going to get crazier. I'm not, I don't care about bigger. It's going to get crazier. It's going to get more emotional. Uh, There's going to be some crying and it's going to be a a very, very uh, different and hopefully enjoyable uh, ride. One of the things I I love about it, and this is going back to the idea of, of Stephen being the audience's eyes and ears. In many ways, he's the heart of the show. Again, can you talk about your conversations you had with, with Jeremy and Kevin about that, about making Steven this, the center of the show in a way? Well, the first thing that, that I talked about was I, even though this is DID, but I felt I, I can identify with that somehow. And I think every human being, because every one of us has persona, which is the mask that we're putting. And we have the self, which we struggle all our lives uh, to make them one, to, to, to coexist between the two of them. So the two of them are not completely different. And that's in a way the Mark and Stephen's journey uh, to integrate and become one. Stephen is the normal person. St- starting with Stephen makes us all identify with just like he's a normal human being working a, a, a normal class job. Mm-hmm. And then you, you discover that supernatural element to his life. And, and that makes everyone wonder, what if this ha- is happening to me? And by the way, as a kid, I never had that idea, but I always wondered what if I'm, when I'm sleeping, I'm in a different country. Maybe I'm in Japan, a different person. Mm. What, I'm sure I'm not wasting those 10 hours doing nothing. You know what I mean? So the idea of 
having a different identity and using my energy differently was always on my mind. And actually, I made an Egyptian film. I wrote it. I didn't direct it, but about DID and about someone who has two identities. And uh, uh, and the fact that Stephen is such a sweet character seems like a really interesting choice as well. He's clearly the the complete antithesis of of Mark in many ways. But was that something that you wanted to lean into? The fact that he's such a he's such a lovable guy. He's he's quite lonely. He's quite sad. Uh, but you get the audience on his side very quickly. It started like that. But the most important thing for me was I want people to get confused. Who is the alter ego of the other? Yeah. Did Mark, were, was he Mark and he created Stephen or was he Stephen and he created Mark? You know what I mean? It's like when you see the mask, he's this almost a Stephen character, someone completely normal, but his alter ego is, is uh, the... Uh, crazy um, uh, guy who can do anything and is not afraid to do anything. So I wanted the two of them to be a reflection of each other that can actually, you might think, you know what? This guy is the reflection of this or this guy is the reflection of this. But um, starting with Stephen was, I think, Jeremy's idea. I think it's a brilliant idea. It's what made me love the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a brilliant take because so, there was so many iterations of Moon Knight in the comics. I think Jeremy uh, leaned on the Lomere run uh, with Marvel and uh, such a great take and, and, and normalizing him from the rich. Usually Stephen Grant is a rich, uh, yeah. different kind of guy who has like uh, gadgets and stuff, just making him as an, into a normal person and then humanizing him. It was a collective effort. And definitely I would say Oscar humanized the two of them more than anyone else. Um, we say theories. But Oscar inhibited those characters and made them into real human beings. Can, can you talk about working with Oscar on that? Because the, there are uh, there are moments in this in this show where he is having conversations with himself, uh, and it is incredible. And there are moments when he is flitting between the two characters, but he's flitting between Mark and and Stephen in a really interesting way, just conveying it through body language and voice alone. That must have been exciting to work with him on, on developing that. It was such a thrilling experience. Uh, just imagine to see the two of them on, on page and you try your best uh, distinguishing the two of them. And then Oscar co- comes with, definitely, I always call every actor his, his, um, his uh, character's best lawyer. So Oscar came with these <laughs> great ideas. Uh, one, one of the best ideas, what if we give him this accent because he lives in London and just like, wow immediately they're, they, they, you distinguish between the two of them. But I don't think it's just those small things, superficial stuff. The demeanor of Oscar changes once he's a Mark or a Steven, completely different human beings. One of the most enjoyable moments was when Oscar, I had those couple of scenes when I'm just like panning between him, talking to himself in the mirror, and there's no cuts. It's just like, he's Steven, you pan to him, and this second he turned into Mark. This, even standing is different. Uh, and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And he's changing like as a human being. And people might think that's easy, but it's not. Oscar actually refused to be Mark and Steven in the same day for the first two weeks. He wanted, it was hard for him to be two people in the same day. But uh, as the ball rolled and he started getting the hang of it and he started listening, knowing exactly what the voice of Mark is and what the voice of Steven is, we pushed and we did them in the same time. It was genius. It was like watching magic happening in front of you. So those, those shots, there's no cuts. That's wild. No cuts. Wow. No cu- brilliant shots. Wow. Okay. Blimey. I, I was already impressed, Mohammed, but <laughs> even well, more Oscar's, so now. As beautiful as the show is, but Oscar is carrying it uh, on his shoulders for sure. I would give him that. He's amazing. And uh, we spoke the other day about Stephen's accent, uh, Oscar and I, and it's a really, I I love how specific it is. It's, it's, uh, I'll be honest as well, we do impressions of it in the Empire office, but that's because we love it. Uh, And it's, it's, it's such an addictive thing to do once you start getting into it. But what what sort of conversations did you have with him about that accent? Because it's a really, no, 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 you have to. Try to imp- uh, uh, impersonate oh, him. God, I, I keep I keep doing this, but <clears throat> so he goes, I can't tell the difference between my waking life and dreams. <laughs> that is that is very good. That is very good. I love his accent, and I want to tell you, um, 
Oscar was staying in character. If you ask him, he would tell you I'm not a method actor, but he was staying in, in that accent yeah. uh, all the time. And um, it was an amazing thing. And, it's, and, and I think that character brought the British humor and it just added something to the, the, the whole show, a different taste to it. Mm. Um, and it's such an interesting thing when, when you're creating something for the first time, because I, I have the feeling that Moon Knight is going to stay with us for a decade at least. Uh, so this is going to last with us and this is going to stay. And I'm happy that we made the right decisions for, for, for those historic moments and, and, and creating that character. If you could talk about and, and I want to tell you something about the accent. Please do. It's not just like that. Oscar doesn't do anything uh, unless it's deliberate. So the accent you're going to understand even more as you go through the show. Okay. Well, yeah, because we, 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 oh, that's, that's very interesting because I'm, I'm yeah. fascinated to see where it comes from. Um, and I, I want to talk about, about Harrow and, and Layla. Uh, as well. Now, Layla, we haven't really got a sense of in the first episode yet, but that will develop as 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 we go along. But can you talk about casting about casting May? Um, when when we when I just joined me and Sarah at the beginning, May wasn't Egyptian, by the way. Um, mm. but, uh, everyone was open into making her half Egyptian, and we just like pushed more and let's make her completely Egyptian. And uh, May was one of the first people who came in mind. I actually asked Sarah. To contact her like month before um, uh, getting her in the show, just to make sure, are you free at that time? Because I have the feeling you're going to land that role. And she thought it's a joke because she didn't know her. She just like texted her on on Instagram. But uh, ironically, <laughs> it happened. And the moment she 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 auditioned with Oscar, it was just like magic. Everyone loved her, and I think uh, May is going to be on another another caliber afterwards. Um, and and she was uh, the best thing about May was that she was a fighter. She was the best um, one to fight for her character all through the show. Um, definitely Ethan and Oscar was, were very helpful and very generous on trying to give ideas um, into how to develop her character. But she was, as an Egyptian, she knows a lot. And uh, as a woman, she always fought for her role. So I'm very proud to, to, to have her in this. And Ethan, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm lucky to have those people, man. Ethan and Oscar and my geniuses who are not here for the, the idea of I'm going to portray a superhero and get cash, uh, some cash out of it. No, no, no. They are in to make a great show. Each one of them want to make this something that counts. Uh, Ethan, 35 years, independent uh, uh, actor, one of the greatest independent actors of our time. And bring him in. It has to be something special. So I pitched him this idea. And I told him, please don't read the script. Because right now, the script, the character, I want us to create it. Let's create it together. Let's play ping pong. I have this in mind. It was me and Sarah giving him our ideas. I, I see him connected to this goddess. I see him judging people. I see him stuff. And then became this ping pong, and he brought his ideologies. He's such an intel, uh, intelligent p- person. Uh, Ethan has like three published books, and he's mm. such a wise guy. You, you feel like you're sitting with a professor. So um, Ethan signed... And he told me in the first time in my life, I'm signing something without reading it. And he signed and he trusted me. And I'm so happy we were talking today. And he's so happy that he did that, took that risk. It's not a, <laughs> it's, we're not encouraging people to sign without reading a script. Cause he, he said, we were talking that usually that doesn't happen. Usually it ends bad, but it, it was successful this time. He's so softly spoken. He's so persuasive, yeah. which I think is very important. It was Ethan's idea. That if we have the, 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 the protagonist suffering DID and you see him all over the place, he has to be the opposite. He has to be the subtle person. He can't play uh, like a crazy guy. He has to be very, very subtle. Um, and we were, we were dealing with him, as, with him as a prophet. I pitched him as a prophet. You're going to be a prophet. A real prophet who believes he's a prophet. He's not a bad guy in his mind. He's saving the world in his mind. He looks like a prophet. He's acting like a prophet. So um, all that in, in that blending, all that together created Arthur Heller. And I really think the best, best villains are the ones who have a point of view that actually can, you know what? You think about it. It's not that black and white. It's gray. And what if someone told you we can eliminate the bad people from the world? We mm-hmm. can know today and we can eliminate them even before they do anything bad. Would you agree or not? It's something like very similar to... Um, uh, minority Report. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's a, it's a sort of thing we could discuss for an hour, <laughs> but yep, we could get tied down. <laughs> we could get tied down in it. Um, I want to ask very very quickly uh, about the way we're introduced to Arthur Harrow because he's the first character we see uh, on screen. I think we could talk about that. And I was so taken by the glass in the shoes. That's really creepy. And then the fact that we every time we hear him walk throughout the show, we can hear the glass in his shoes. Uh, I think that's a great introduction. Um, just to know that this guy is not messing around. He's not saying, oh, I want this or I'm judging people because I'm tricking them because I want something from the world. He's committed. He's someone who's doing this because he really feels this world needs to be cleansed. He feels he himself has done bad things and he's committed to doing to, to fixing the world. I have to say this is uh, Ethan's idea, mm-hmm. a brilliant idea. This whole scene is Ethan's idea. And I think this is the moment that he understood the character. This is the moment that he told himself, okay, I know Arthur Harrow. And it worked. This was the beginning of episode two. We loved it so much. We moved it to episode one. Um, and it's, it's such a, a great opening for the whole show. It sets the whole tone. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very eerie. And speaking of, speaking of uh, establishing the whole tone and the, and the visual template for the show, I love the way that you communicate presenting that idea of the fugue state. Can you talk about, about that, where that came from? You wouldn't believe it, how, how that came from. That came from uh, our visual effects supervisor wanting to cut budget. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? But, uh, and that's the, the best thing about collaborative work. Once we heard that idea, we said, damn it, that is DID. That gaps on, in time is exactly what, what people who have DID feel. And, um, Every time we're designing any action sequence, if it's in part of the action sequence, I tell everyone, you know what? You don't have to care. People saw everything before, but never saw something like this before. The idea of the gaps in time in an action sequence. Usually in an action sequence, someone in my age, someone maybe in your age, okay, I've seen this. I, I might go, buy, go grab something very fast and come back. But now you can't because in one second, everything can change. You can be in a different even country. So um, we use that. Oscar loved that. He kept pushing it. Um, the movie Father last year was an inspiration in that yeah. too. Uh, the idea of those cuts and just like seeing yourself. And I feel this orientation that this is giving is um, adding to the feeling of, okay, I'm really fe- seeing, the, um, seeing the world through someone who has DID. Yeah. And it's very important to point out just like on a, on a smaller note that as much as we tried and we try our best and got expert to portray DID. And I think we did a great job, but this is not an actual or accurate portrayal of DID because it's in a fantastical world. It's a, in a supernatural world. But I think just like myself, through this journey, I learned a lot, a lot, a lot about DID. And I think we're going to share that with the audience. Well, it's interesting. I mean, that, that's one of the things that uh, uh, Oscar and Ethan were saying that you know, the show does tackle issues of, of mental health and it does tackle DID. And each episode, I think, has a, a a line after the show, after the credits have rolled, saying if you suffer from similar issues, then help is available. I think it's really, really interesting that the show is willing to tackle issues like this. That's one of the things that drew me to the show. Usually, if you're committing yourself to a project, you're going to spend two to three years of your life doing something. You have to love that something. So usually I pick something that I feel, okay, I'm not just doing entertainment. I'm doing something bigger. I'm trying to change the world one step at a time. So every movie that I directed, one about sexual harassment, one about coexistence, one about um, um, seeing your place in the world and what you, uh, are we, uh, uh, do we have free will or not? So every time I have to find that slime, that line, genre wrapped around line that really, a line that makes me endure the pain of like giving everything for three years. Yeah. If you are really committed, you're giving everything, you're giving your soul. Uh, so um, that was one of the things that really drew me to the show from the get-go. Uh, I felt this is something that we can change people's lives with. And it's a, it's a gold mine for drama. And uh, it could be expanded even more. And uh, honestly, there was uh, a lot in the comics about that. A lot of, mm. especially the Lomir run that uh, Jeremy Slater, our writer, our head writer, uh, drew from. And um, I can't thank him enough for uh, having this stake on the whole project. 
Amazing. Uh, well, hopefully we will talk again uh, about the show once all the episodes are gone. I cannot wait to see what happens in episode five. Um, if it's as bonkers as episode four, then we're in for a treat. Uh, but in the meantime, Mohammed, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you. And I'm, I'm very optimistic that you're going to like five and six. Absolutely. And, uh, and by the time we talk again, I will have perfected my Stephen Grant impression. You did a great job. I loved it, by the way. It was a great job. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks very much. Take care. And there you go, folks. That was Mohamed Diab, lead director of Moon Knight. And what can I say? I, I couldn't help myself. I had to throw the Stephen Grant impression in there one more time. It won't be the last time. I can promise you that. But, but there you go. It just slipped out. I can only beg your forgiveness. Anyway, really enjoyed talking to Mohammed, and as we said, hopefully next time we talk to him, we'll be able to really dig into the show's big incidents and bigger themes in a spoiler special interview. Speaking of spoiler specials, the advent of Moon Knight means that we are back on our weekly bullshit on the podcast, bringing you spoiler special episodes for subscribers every Thursday. And if you don't already subscribe to our spoiler special feed... It's only $2.99 a month or $32.99 a year. That's the price of, what, two coffees in London? And is absolutely worth it. You get access to over 200 spoiler specials, many of which feature incredible interviews with filmmakers. And it also features Team Empire, a bunch of giggling idiots, dissecting blockbuster films, indie films, animated films, horror films, and TV shows of all shapes and sizes. Go to Empire supportingcast.fm to sign up now. And of course, the regular Empire podcast is out every Friday. This week's guests are Matt Smith and Ruth Wilson. Can't say fairer than that. But that is it for this very, very special Moon Knight special. And that is it for me. I'm off to have the best bit of a steak. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.